This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Even though it was his disciples who were taking the stand against the woman, Christ came to the defense of this woman. And he turned to his disciples and he rebuked them with a question. You're troubling the woman by confusing her to think, did I do something wrong? Should I have sold this ointment and given it to the poor and dedicated that to Christ? The disciples were troubling the woman by causing the woman to question whether her outward act of love was, was wrong, was inappropriate, wasn't shouldn't have done that. And Christ saw that, that they were introducing to her confusion and trouble, and he would not allow this woman to be disturbed. So as much as, as for her, as for the disciples, Christ said out loud in verse 10, verse 10, she hath wrought a good work upon me. And we can imagine how much that statement meant to the woman and gave her an assurance that, no, I did the right thing, I did the right thing. And when Christ said that, she said, I was right to anoint him with the ointment. She knew her sacrifice that she made was received by Christ. She knew that. As a matter of fact, the Greek word here that's translated a good work on me in verse 10 is the word kalos, which means beautiful, beautiful. So what Christ said in verse 10 was, she has done a beautiful work upon me. Beautiful work, Christ called what the woman did. No one told the woman, go anoint Christ. She thought of it on her own. She planned it on her own. She planned how she would get her most treasured possession, this ointment, and how she'd go to the banquet, and how she would wait till Christ was seated at the banquet, and how she would conceal the box, and she would come up to the banquet, and how she'd break the box, and how she'd pour the ointment on Christ's head. She thought of all that. She planned all that out. And Christ, thinking about the woman's desire that drove her to do all that, and the woman's plan and the woman's execution of the plan, Christ had just one word to describe all that she did, and it was the word beautiful. He says that was beautiful. For Christ, there was no better word that he could select than the word just beautiful. What the woman did in that act of love was what Christ called beautiful. And then Christ said, In verse 11, he said, for you have the poor always with you, but me you have not always. Now that's very important, it's very significant in verse 11 when Christ said those words, me 
ye have not always. He was really stating a principle there, the principle of opportunities are limited, are limited. What he's saying here was that the woman had a limited opportunity to anoint Christ. We don't read of any other banquet before the death of Christ other than this one. So the opportunity for the woman to anoint Christ at a banquet was limited to this one time, this one time. I mean, soon Christ is going to the cross and after that the opportunity to anoint Christ before his death, that'd be lost, lost. But this woman had an urge. She had an urge to do this act of love for Christ. And this woman saw her opportunity, she made her decision, and she had resolved, she did not procrastinate, she acted in what she did. She seized the opportunity to anoint Christ, and that took a lot of resolve on her part, a lot of bravery, and a lot of courage. And because of the bravery and courage that she showed, all alone, in acting alone, in the face of others who opposed her, who opposed what she did, she for us is a model. She's a model of standing alone in a crowd to take the position of loving Christ. This woman is an example to us also of not missing an opportunity in life. For this woman, the opportunity that she didn't miss was the chance to anoint Christ before his death. And Christ said in verse 11, me, you have not always. Me, you have not always. And when he said that, me, you have not always, that created, as it should, a sinking feeling of uncertainty, of a fleeting chance, like the baseball pitch, and the batter has to just get that exact right split second to swing the bat because the ball's in the sweet zone. That's a picture, so much of life. That's Babe Ruth had his most strikeouts in the time when he had his most home runs. Babe Ruth had a record of 714 home runs and 1,330 strikeouts, which means that he had one and a half strikeouts for every home run. But that's one thing's for sure. If he didn't swing the bat, there's gonna be no home run. So Babe Ruth, when he came to the plate, he expected to hit a home run. And when he saw a pitch he liked, he visualized sending that ball out of the park. And just like Babe Ruth, this woman saw in her mind Christ at the table. She visualized her taking her most valued possession, the ointment. She saw it in her mind, pouring it on the head of Christ, and that's why she was able to do it. And that sinking feeling of uncertainty for the future that came from when Christ said in verse 11, me, you have not always That's got a lot of implications, a lot of application, not just for this woman. When he has the time, when a lost person, when Christ is drawn close to a lost person and he's got this fleeting chance to come to Christ, to give his life to Christ and be saved, that's a time in life when Christ's words apply. Me, you have not always. For a lost person, it's because me, you have not always that it said in 2 Corinthians 6, 2, 2 Corinthians 6, 2, I have heard thee in a time accepted and in the day of salvation have I succored thee. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the 
day of salvation. That verse in 1 Corinthians 6.2 uses terms twice. Twice it uses the term time accepted. Twice it uses the term day of salvation, which means that every time is not a time accepted. Every day is not a day of salvation. But the accepted time, as it says in 1 Corinthians 6.2, is now. And the day of salvation is today. Because Christ said, me you have not always. And there comes a time when Christ draws near to a person and speaks through the Spirit of Christ to that person, and the Bible says that at that time, the most important thing to do at that time is whatever you do, don't harden your heart with saying later or not now. Because Psalm 95.7, Psalm 95.7 says, he is our God and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your heart, as in the provocation, as in the days of the temptation of the wilderness. When your fathers tempted me, proved me, saw my work. Forty years long was I grieved with this generation, said it's a people that do err in their heart, and they've not known my ways. Unto whom I swear in my wrath, they should not enter into my rest. Today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your heart. That's a warning that the Bible has because Christ said, me, you have not always. And the hardening of the heart results in a response of later, just not now, which we see in the person of King Agrippa. King Agrippa, when Christ spoke, was near him, when Paul spoke to him, we read in Acts 26, 27, Acts 26, 27, King Agrippa, Agrippa, believest thou the prophets? I know that thou believest. Then Agrippa said unto Paul, almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. That's the one word that he used that sealed his doom. And it was just simply the word almost. If he just didn't say almost, if he just would have said, thou persuadest me to be a Christian, not almost, thou persuadest me. Because almost is a hardening of the heart. And Christ could, might as well have said, King Agrippa, me, you have not always. And how tragic today, so tragic today, that there are so many that think like King Agrippa. They think they control when they can receive Christ. And they don't realize that Christ said, no, 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 no. The control, me, ye have not always. And another person who missed the opportunity to come to Christ was Felix, when he heard the Spirit of Christ speak to him through Paul in Acts 24, 24. Acts 24, 24. And after certain days when Felix came with his wife Drusilla, which was a Jewess, he sent for Paul and heard him concerning the faith in Christ. And as he reasoned of righteousness, temperance, and judgment to come, Felix trembled and answered, go thy way for this time. When I have a convenient season, I will call for thee. Felix heard God speak to him. Christ drew near to Felix and Felix trembled. And then it came time for Felix to make his decision and Felix made the wrong decision when he said to Paul, go thy way for this time. When I have a convenient season, I will call for thee. That was tragic for Felix to say because he said that because of a hardened heart. When he said that, go thy way for this time. Felix thought that he was in control of the time, that he could just say, I will call when I want the time to be. 
He didn't realize that Christ had said, me, you have not always. Felix thought there was nothing special about that, what he called this time. But this time was the time when Christ was coming close to Felix, speaking to Felix. Felix didn't realize that Christ said, me, you have not always. Felix thought he was in control of the time when Christ would be near to him for Felix to receive Christ. Felix thought that Felix controlled when Christ would be available to Felix when Felix said that in Acts 24, 25, Acts 24, 25, go thy way for this time. When I have a convenient season, I'll call for thee. When I have a convenient season, he says. He thought it's all up to him. It's all up to him. I will determine when I receive Christ. But that was wrong because Christ in essence was saying to Felix, Felix, me, you have not always. How tragic today that so many people take the Felix road of thinking later, not now, not this time. As Felix said, go thy way this time. When Christ said, me, you have not always, Christ was saying, it's not a question of when a person is ready. It's a question of when Christ is ready. Because the Bible talks about those who are ready. They're ready to receive Christ but Christ is not ready to receive them. In Proverbs 1.23, Proverbs 1.23, Christ said, turn you at my reproof. Behold, I will pour out my spirit unto you. I will make known my words unto you. Because I have called and you refused, I have stretched out my hand, no man regarded, but you have set it not all my counsel and would none of my reproof. I also will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when your fear cometh. When your fear cometh as desolation, your destruction cometh as the whirlwind. When distress and anguish cometh upon me, then shall they call upon me, but I will not answer. They shall seek me early, but they shall not find me. For that they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord, they would none of my counsel, they despised all my reproof. That's tragic. That's tragic in Proverbs 128. Proverbs 128, which is, then shall they call upon me, but I will not answer. They shall seek me early, but they shall not find me. You know what that is? That's them saying, Lord, I'm ready now, and Christ saying, I'm not. That's a picture of those calling and crying out to Christ with all their heart and saying, I'm ready now, and Christ saying, I'm not net ready now, because they didn't realize that Christ said, me, you have not always. And then after death, there's that tragic scene in Matthew 7, 21, Matthew 7, 21. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? In thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works. Then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Christ had spoken to them earlier in their lives about not living a life trying to establish their own righteousness through their own good works. But instead of coming to Christ as a low-down, dirty, rotten sinner begging for grace and mercy, they hardened their hearts. And the horrible scene here in Matthew 7 is of them at heaven's gate clawing the gate, saying, let me in, let me in, we're ready now. Do what it, we'll do whatever we need to do to know you as our Savior. And Christ is saying to them, yes, you are, but I'm not. I'm not ready to be your savior. And that tragedy happens because in their lifetime, they didn't realize that Christ was saying to them, me, you have not always. As if Christ said to them, me, to be your savior from your own self-righteousness, you have not always. 
and those golden opportunities that we also have in life. We're not just talking about the lost here, but for the saved as well. Golden opportunities. There are times of life in the child of God when Christ presents an opportunity that has to be taken for the now and not later. And those opportunities come to us and it's important for us to take them. I see this in business. I see this so clearly in business. Reminds me of the time when we were offered uh, 40 acres of land, just four blocks from our business center in Tecate, Mexico. And I turned it down and I turned it down and that was an opportunity. And today we're buying 35 acres of land five miles away for twice the price. Opportunity, fleeting opportunity, missed. It also reminds me of the time when I had the chance to buy property next to our building in Tecate, and we didn't have any need for that at that time, and I decided to buy it and to build a 275,000 square foot building there, connected via Skybridge to our building, and I had no idea what it was for. And I remember when we dedicated the building, it was a big day. I don't know if you were there or not, Clint. You might have been there. But anyway, we, we had about a 1,000 people come to our dedication ceremony. And the man who owns most of the buildings in the, the industrial park came to me at the, he said, so what are you going to do in your beautiful new 275,000 square foot building? And I said, I have no idea. That is zero. And he, I remember he looked at me so surprised and he said, I never met someone who built 275,000 square foot building has no idea what it's for. That building was empty for nearly 10 years. 10 years, but then came the day when COVID hit. When COVID hit and our customer came to us and said, we are one of only two American suppliers of COVID tests. Government has given us a green light by as much as we can. We need to produce over 1 million tests per day of COVID test. And they said, can you do it? Yes. We said, why? Well, we just happen to have 275,000 square foot empty building next to the building here. I didn't know what that building was going to be for. I didn't know I didn't even know what COVID was when we built it. That woman didn't know that she was anointing Jesus for his burial when she anointed the Lord for that, but she took the opportunity at the time and seized it and God says, "I got a greater purpose for what you're doing than you know about. Same with us with the building. Lost business is all about seeing a temporary business opportunity and not seeing it. Lost soul is all about seeing a temporary salvation opportunity and not seizing it because Christ said, me, you have not always. A gained business is all about seeing a temporary business opportunity and seizing it. A saved soul is all about seeing a temporary salvation opportunity and seizing it because Christ said, me, you have not always. And the same is true for making it an accomplishment for Christ in life. It's all about realizing that Christ said, me, you have not always. Me, to anoint as your king to the woman, you have not always. Me, to anoint before my burial to the woman, you have not always. So when Christ said in verse 11, me, you have not always, he was meaning this opportunity with me, you have not always. Me, you have not always meant only once. Only once in the life of the Lord was there that opportunity to anoint Christ, and she did it. And today, we spend so much time now, we're today, we're spending time talking about what this woman did, why we're actually fulfilling what Christ said in verse 13, in verse 13. Verily I say unto you, wheresoever this gospel shall be preached in the whole world, there shall be also that this, that this woman hath done 
be told for a memorial of her. This is the only time when Christ said that something would be a memorial for another person. What an importance Christ has attached to what this woman did. We would have expected in verse 13 that the last two words in verse 13 would have been of me, of me, as in told for a memorial of me. After all, it's Christ who's center stage as he's approaching this great work of atoning for our sins on the cross. Soon he'll come to the Last Supper. Very soon he's gonna come to the Last Supper in Luke 22, 19, 22, 19, he's gonna say, this is my body which is given for you, this do in remembrance of me. It's all about a remembrance of me. But here, he's saying what she did is so important that would be told whenever the gospel of Christ's atoning death was told that it's gonna be told for a memorial of her, of her. The woman is honored with an eternal memorial. Why? Because she realized the importance when Christ said, me, you have not always, because she did. She planned this expression of her love, her adoration of Christ. She resolved that cost what it would. She would fight through all that opposition, and there was opposition, those who despised her. She moved to take her treasured alabaster box of that expensive ointment. She came to the house of Simon the leper with that box. She went in, she entered to Christ. She broke that open, broke open that box. She poured all of it on the head of Christ. She made sure that every last drop was poured out. And when she did it, Christ felt that ointment on his head. He felt it run down his head and he received that ointment of love from that woman. And the room, it was filled with that wonderful fragrance of that ointment. And then Christ rose up to defend that woman, to make what she did an eternal memorial to her holy chutzpah. That's all you have to say it. That was holy chutzpah on her part. And he looks at that woman, and he looks at the disciples, and he explains to the disciples what she just did. He explains to them, it's gonna be really no time, boys, for my embalmment, so she started early. And this little house in Bethany, the house of Simon the leper, has become a, a representation, a representation of the whole world because our world has in it both the spirit of that woman and the spirit of the others, the disciples, especially Judas Iscariot. Judas Iscariot triggered the disciples. That has this, our world, that house, our world, has the spirit of losing all from self to give to Jesus Christ, and it also has the spirit of staying away from Jesus Christ to keep all for myself. And this little house in Bethany, this woman represents those in the world who give all to Jesus Christ and lose themselves to Jesus Christ. And this woman is singled out as one person. Verse seven, verse seven. Then came unto him a woman. And this woman was all about, verse seven, verse seven. She was all about an alabaster box of very precious ointment and poured it on the head, on, poured it on his head. And in this house of Bethany, Judas Iscariot, represents those in the world 
who keep all away from Jesus Christ so they can keep all from themselves. And we're gonna see in verse 14, verse 14, that Judas Iscariot was all, then went one of the 12. And we're gonna see how his whole desire in life is verse 15. What will you give me? Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for what this woman did. We pray, Lord, that, that uh, the memorial of what she did would be embedded on our hearts as we, as we also join her in worshiping and adoring you in Jesus' name, amen. Tom Cantor's messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. For other free resources, email us at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. Join our live services on YouTube by searching Friendship with God with Tom Cantor every Sunday at 5.30 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries.